Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt. I'm an integrative and functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude in well over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs, and I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a school in practitioner mentorship where we help other clinicians level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what this show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I would love for you to subscribe to the show, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Now give me the mic so I can take it away. This episode is part of our Functional Nutrition Podcast Legacy Series. Through the months of April and May, we will be releasing two shows each week, you lucky ducks, one brand new episode and a Legacy Series episode, which is a re-release of our top downloaded shows. Think about it like the People's Choice episodes. This is because we have new listeners coming to the show all the time, and we want you to have easy access to the top shows. And we've got longtime listeners that love to listen to the best of the best. Hey, if you're ever looking for a specific topic or show, don't forget to check out our website. We've got a special search feature that makes finding shows super easy. So here's a functional nutrition legacy show. Hello, friends. Today's episode is all about gut health, so get ready you little gut geeks. I'm not going to go into specifics of supplements and food. Gosh, we have lots of episodes about that. But what I'm going to talk to you about today is extraordinarily important. And you might consider adding this to your gut healing protocol. All right. Secretory IGA. It is the name of the game of today's show. On Instagram, where all good things happen, (laughs) I shared that um, I did, my most recent stool test came back with some really cool stuff. Now I run a stool test just about annually, sometimes once every, I don't know, uh, year and a half or so, um, because I fully understand how important overall gut health is to my overall health. Now, as somebody who used to struggle with autoimmunity, I also understand that the gut plays a massive role in our immune system. So it's something that I like to keep eyes on. And I have had tremendous amount of uh, gut dysfunction in the past. So my last few stool tests showed very low dysbiosis, which is a good thing. So Basically, there was nothing kind of crazy going on. There was no tomfoolery, nothing, you know, the weeds of the garden weren't terribly overgrown. I didn't have any pathogens, but my secretory IgA kept coming back low for years. And I am talking scraping the bottom of the barrel low, like to the point when my clients have low secretory IgA, I'm like, don't worry, you didn't beat me. I'm still the lowest. I'm still (laughs) the champion of this game. Um no matter what intervention I did to try to support my gut and my mucosal immunity. And by the way, I know all of the tricks. Every single supplement that is known, that is clinically uh, researched or clinically shown to increase secretory IgA levels, I've taken them all, okay? And despite that, it kept coming back low, like depressingly low. 
And to be honest with you, I, I really carried around a belief that this is kind of just like my cross to bear. This is my bag. This is my thing. Um, I've got the autoimmunity. I've got the low secretory IgA. It's just my, my thing that I have to deal with. That was a belief. And so because it was a belief, of course, I continued to see the, uh, the evidence of that. Um, I also, I want to throw this out there because I'm sure that you've heard me say this. Well, I mean, you don't hang on my every single word, I'm sure, but longtime listeners may have heard me say something that uh, because I was bulimic for eight years, I worry that my digestive capacity is just always going to be low because every single stool test I've run, my uh, pancreatic uh, elastase always comes back low, like no matter what. And again, PS, I'm doing all the interventions, like I know the things to do. So with this latest test, I was like shocked. I was like, I had this moment of just like sitting on the couch, reading my results and being like, I am so proud of my body because my secretory IgA was in a nice, healthy, robust range, as was my digestive capacity markers. My steatocrit was below detectable limits. My elastase was, um, I can't think of it exactly, but it was, and it was in a good range and it historically has not been. So holy smokes, this is cool. Like this is really cool. Something changed. Something changed dramatically. We were seeing physical evidence of something in my body changing. So today I'm going to talk about the changes that I made. But first, I, I, I know I've talked about SIGA, secretory IgA on the show before, but let's just do a, more of a comprehensive deep dive into this immunoglobulin because it's, it's a biggie. It's a real good one. We want to have it. Secretory IgA is also known as secretory immunoglobulin A. Immunoglobulins are named for antibodies. So this is SIGA or secretory IgA, I'll kind of refer to it interchangeably, um, is a predominant antibody class in mucosal secretion. So this is our mucosal immunity. It's produced by white blood cells, and then it's transported into fluids secreted by mucosal cells. We've got mucus all over our body. It's a pretty big player when it comes to our immune system. SIG-A is the dominant antibody in our gut mucus. So that's like intestinal intestinal barrier. So if you, you know, if you hear about leaky gut, we're talking about the intestinal barrier. It's the main antibody in our saliva. So like literally as soon as food comes in contact with our mouth or anything comes in contact with our mouth, it's it's meeting secretory IgA. It's in our tears, it's in breast milk, it's in respiratory mucus, and it's also in urogenital mucus. Secretory IgA is a is a big player when it comes to the immune system because it represents really like a first line of defense. You'll hear it referred to that quite often in response to antigens. Now, antigens, I'll remind you, are anything foreign to the body. So allergens, food, protein, bacteria, yeast, right? All of these things can gain entry into our body. So our immune system has to have a way to differentiate self from non-self, right? So SIG-A is going to like recognize any pathogens that might be coming in once it hits the mouth or once it gets all the way down to the digestive tract. Now, when we're measuring SIG-A on a stool test, we are measuring fecal secretory IgA. So that's really looking specifically at the gut, okay? 
In addition to protecting against pathogens, remember that first line of defense against pathogens or gnarly critters coming in, secretory IgA also plays a role in helping to maintain balance in the microbiome. Uh, It also protects against exposure to antigens from food, so proteins coming in from food. And it's really important to understand this, especially if you have multiple food sensitivities, that when secretory IgA is low, these little guys called the dendritic cells can get overactive. So robust SIG-A levels help to keep dendritic cells from being overreactive. When dendritic cells get overreactive, they start tagging lots of food protein as foe, as foreign invader. So the immune system starts to react. So secretory IgA, massively important when it comes to preventing food sensitivities, okay? So that's like a little clinical pearl. Uh, I know I have a lot of clinicians that listen to the show. Um, I'm going to be talking about food sensitivities a lot more coming up. Um, So if you struggle with food sensitivities yourself or you struggle with clients with them, keep this in mind. That's that's really important. Uh, When secretory IgA is low, it's like the bouncer at the bar is gone. So anybody can come on in. And when when we have low secretory IgA, especially the lower it gets, the more prone you will be to getting infections. Um, And the less likely you'll you'll, um, less like you'll, less likely you will be, gosh, that's a tongue twister, a lot of L's, um, to clearing up any existing infections. So big player, but I just want to kind of throw out this hot tip because yes, secretory IgA works in the digestive tract, but remember we find it other places too, like the sinuses, the navel cavity, the respiratory system, your bladder, your vagina, the urethra. So If you have low secretory IgA, you might be more prone to infections in these areas, like respiratory infections. (laughs) Let me clear my throat. (laughs) So stupid. Uh, Urinary tract infections, bladder infections. Okay. So uh, if any of that sounds like you, hmm, I wonder what's happening with secretory IgA. Of course, there's multiple factors that can play into all of those things, but that's a big one. And then I got, when I posted about this, because uh, I did uh, a Reels, I did a video about this. So I, a lot of questions came in. And one of them, the most common question that came up was about high secretory IgA, high fecal secretory IgA. So if you do a GI map or you do a stool test that measures secretory IgA and you see that the levels are high, well, what the hell? What does that mean? And that is, you know, you think about it, if this is an immune response and it's high, that's an elevated immune response. So your immune system's like mad. It's kind of like doing work. It's like something is off here and like we have to like ramp up. When secretory IgA is high, that's telling us that uh, your body is trying to increase the immunity in your gut to try to enhance the barrier system to protect uh, from threat and keep everything safe. So when it's high, we can think about the fact, it it can allude to the fact that you're probably dealing with an active trigger. So this active trigger, it might be uh, a pathogen. It might be gut dysbiosis, like the weeds are overgrown. It could also be a food reaction. So we will commonly see secretory IgA elevated if your body is reacting to food. So when I see it high, I'm like, okay, we have to figure out why. What is causing it to be high? When I see it low, I'm thinking 
what's your cortisol doing? Because we oftentimes see SIGA, low SIGA paired with low cortisol picture, with a burnout picture, with an exhaustion picture. I am thinking, is there autoimmunity here? Um, I'm kind of thinking of like long-term chronic stuff. We can also see if somebody has been dealing with a chronic gut infection, meaning it's been going on for a while, you know, when it first happens, we might see high secretory IgA, but over time it might kind of grind down on the immune system and we might see low secretory IgA. So we're always trying to figure out the whys. And that's really where the functional lab testing can come in super handy. Um, But that's kind of that is where I'm going to stop talking about lab testing and functional medicine modalities in regards to like labs and supplements. And I'm going to switch gears to the often overlooked, but equally important or even arguably more important, which is like mindset and belief work. And it is my belief that this is where current functional medicine um, modalities kind of miss the mark. And this is something that I'm constantly talking about with my practitioners in the Functional Nutrition Academy. P.S. Did you know I run a school for nutrition professionals? It is called the Functional Nutrition Academy. You can head to functionalnutritionacademy.com to learn more. Because again, I know I have a lot of providers that listen to the show, which simply delights me. Okay. So what did I finally do to turn things around? I watched my thoughts. So we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, right? The thoughts that we think over and over and over again become beliefs. That's what a belief is. It's just a thought you've been thinking for a really long time. Beliefs start to get anchored in as truths. These truths begin to create our reality. If we expect to see something because if we believe it to be so, then chances are we're going to see that. We're going to see that story play out in real life. This is a really important concept, not just to your health, but like to everything. So I changed my story by changing my thought patterns. And I know that's almost like a frustrating thing to hear because it's like, oh, cool story, bro. Like how? And I, I'm going to talk about some real practical action steps you can take in in today's podcast, because I I want you to walk away with not just knowledge, but like, hey, how do I apply that knowledge? So today is going to be like a banger. It's a lot. It packs a powerful punch, especially if you actually like do these things. But just keep in mind, we are simply scratching the surface of all this stuff. So I changed my thoughts. And on top of that, this is the checklist. Um, I, I, gave a checklist in my Instagram post. It was, I focused on things that brought me joy. I allowed myself to do things that felt good without guilt. I said no more often, again, without the guilt. I allowed myself to receive support and I practiced a uh, kind of a, a, a style of meditation or an experiential practice that is shown clinically to increase secretory IgA. So these are like the major changes I I made. Um, And, you know, a lot of this was during COVID. So I'm like, hey, if I can increase my secretory IgA, right, that's enhancing my overall immune system. Like I'll do, I'll do whatever it takes. I want to support my immune system. It's really important. I think the past two years have highlighted just how important. So, so I went for it. And we're going to quickly interrupt this discussion to shout out one of our show sponsors. As a reminder, the support of our sponsors is what allows the Functional Nutrition Podcast to continue to pump out new content to you. So we always thank them. We hope that you support them too. 
you've probably heard that the human body is mostly water, but what you probably don't know is that everything else in your body is about 50% amino acids. These building blocks of life are essential for health and for fitness. No matter how you like to move, whatever you do to stay fit, amino acids are essential. This is why Keon Aminos is my fundamental supplement for fitness. I drink them every day, usually a couple of times a day, for muscle and for recovery. Keon Aminos is backed by over 20 years of clinical research, has the highest quality ingredients, no fillers, no junk, undergoes rigorous quality testing, and tastes really good. So if you want to naturally boost your energy, build lean muscle, and enhance athletic recovery, you need to get Keon Aminos. You can now save 20% on monthly deliveries and 10% on one-time purchases. Just go to getkeon.com forward slash funk. That's G-E-T-K-I-O-N.com slash F-U-N-K to get my fundamental supplement for fitness, Keon Aminos. All right. Shit is bananas right now. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Somebody recently asked me, what do you do when you're doing all of the things, you're practicing all of the tools, but things still feel really intense? And honestly, this is where Ned de-stress comes in for me. It is part of my daily routine right now. It's a certified organic formula, full spectrum hemp with CBG, CBD, and also ashwagandha. So it really helps to calm down the body and soothe down anxiety. If you need some support right now, fortify your stress response and get 15% off Ned's de-stress blend with code FUNK, go to helloned.com forward slash FUNK or enter code FUNK at checkout. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash F-U-N-K to get 15% off. Thank you as always, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering myself and our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. I'm going to expand on all of those things today. Like I said, I'm not going to get into the whole like supplements in probiotics uh, discussion uh, just for the sake of, of time, but there are specific supplements and probiotics that I use in my practice when I'm working with a client who has low secretory IgA to help support those levels. Uh, certain probiotic strains are shown to support secretory IgA. Saccharomyces boulardii is one of them. It's actually a yeast. It, it, it's not a bacteria, but there are certain bacterial strains that also help uh, lactobacillus rhamnosus, lactobacillus casei, lactobacillus plantarum, bifidobacterium bifidum, bifidobacterium longum, bifidobacterium brevi. I think somebody should give me an award for saying those, but those are all bacterial strains that help to support secretory IgA levels. Probiotics are a good resource um, when it comes to improving Sig A levels. Ultimately, you can't restore your immune tolerance and increase secretory IgA levels with supplements and probiotics alone in most cases, but they are a bigger part of the overall picture. Um, and I've certainly seen, clinically, I've certainly seen them help improve secretory IgA. I also think it's worth noting, however, that I was taking most of the supplements, like I said at the beginning, and it wasn't really moving the needle for me personally. So I've seen it happen clinically for me personally, it, it wasn't really making a dent. So let's talk more about the specific changes I made. And these changes, I want to point out, just like the supplement interventions, just like the probiotics, these are also based on research, okay? So for my research junkies out there, this isn't just like, we like far out stuff. This is, you know, we've got, we've got some good research to back this up. Um, for the sake of this discussion, 
It is important, it's imperative to understand, especially if you struggle with low secretory IgA, that from a psycho-neuroimmune response, so let's break that down. Psycho, that's your psyche, right? That's your brain, that's your mind. Neuro is your brain, it's your nervous system. Immune, it's your immune system, right? So there's this field of study recognizes that they're all interconnected. They're all talking to each other. So from a psychoneuroimmune response, secretory IgA is one of the most immunological reactive compounds. Well, what the hell does that mean? That means grab a pen. If you've drifted away, come back to me now. That means your thoughts, your emotions, your stressors, mental, emotional, physical stressors have a huge impact on these immunoglobulin levels. Whoa, right? Whoa. We know that physical, mental, and emotional stress dampens secretory IgA levels, lowers it. So things that we can start to do, and that I did, is to reduce your exposure to negative images. So I would just stop for a second and considering like the information that you consume or the entertainment that you consume. Personally, I've seen like entertainment, like people like love murder mysteries. People love, like, I just feel like TV is getting so much more gnarly violence. And um, I'm not going to like throw out any trigger bombs, but like, you know, gnarly stuff is happening on the big screen um, in the shows that we're watching. I have some general rules about like what I watch. My husband will be like, you don't want to watch anything. I'm like, correct. I don't want to watch things that pitch me into a stress response 60 minutes before I'm supposed to lay my head down on a pillow and get some shut eye. You are correct in that, sir. No, thank you. I am not available for that. Life is hard enough. I don't need to be reminded of it during my like wind down time. That's why I love me some Bravo Housewives. It's just good fun. It's just pure entertainment. You know, I love watching my gals. Um, but really consider the, what you take in, the news, your, the TV, movies, social media, and consider how much exposure you're getting to negative images. Is it just like, are you, is it kind of like, you know, I, I think the term is trauma porn. Am, am I, did I just make that up? I feel like that's like a real thing, but like just kind of being perpetually washed in, in like images of trauma. Now, listen, I am saying this at a very, I'm recording this at a very, a traumatic time in history. Have no doubt. I am not suggesting that we bypass these things that are happening. I am just proposing to you, like, is it helping you to be perpetually like baked into the casserole of like really gnarly negative images all the time? How does that serve you? How does that help you? Is that supporting your health? And this has been, you know, I don't know. I don't need to go down that, that rabbit hole. I would really urge you to think about that though. Because when people are exposed to negative images, this is acts of violence, this is inhumane acts, secretory IGA levels drop for several hours after, after, after being exposed to this. So listen, if you're constantly getting exposed to this stuff, that's not super supportive of your overall immune system and your overall gut health. Um, we also know stress physiology promotes leaky gut. I'm not going to unpack that because gosh, I mean, 
I've talked about it so, so, so much on the show, uh, but we know that. We know that high cortisol levels breaks down the intestinal lining. We know that cortisol dysregulation can suppress secretory IgA. We know that leaky gut is associated with um, with se- suppressed secretory IgA. So, you know, we really have to be mindful of our overall stress. Reduced levels of secretory IgA or low secretory IgA are seen following a variety of psychosocial factors, including stressful life situations, withdrawal of social support, negative emotional emotional states like bereavement, anxiety, and the need to have power and to influence others. I thought that was an interesting one. So I'm reading this verbatim from a study called the uh, Physiological and Psychological Effects of Compassion and Anger. I'll, I'll pitch that into the show notes. Okay, so all of those factors can lower secretory IgA, and they can't be looked, right? You can't just take a fistful of immunoglobulins and a fistful of probiotics and be like, everything's fine. My immune system is fine. No, we have to look at how our environment, how our thoughts, how our emotions are impacting our physical body, right? Right. So now let's talk about factors that can increase, that can support healthy secretory IgA levels. Positive emotions, numero uno, my dudes. Positive emotions produce a significant increase in secretory IgA levels. And I know that somebody out there is going to be like, but what if I have high sig A? Positive emotion, emotions aren't going to like, aren't going to harm you. I would think about this is how we support healthy immune system balance, okay? Now, self-induction of positive emotional states is more effective at stimulating secretory IgA levels than previously used external methods. Self-induction techniques may therefore be useful in minimizing the immunosuppressive effects of negative emotions. Okay, let's tuck into that. What does that mean? Basically, what does self-induction techniques mean? Basically, you're, you get yourself in a vibe. How's that sound? Is that good? Does that, does that work for you? That's how I think about it. I'm like, I got to get myself in a vibe. I got to reorganize my energy. My, my team hears me say that all, all the time, my friends and my team. Got to reorganize my energy. You get yourself in a vibe. You experience these emotions, these positive emotions, at a deep physical feeling level as possible, as deep as you can get. Like you want to physically feel it in your body. That's it. That's the kind of the the secret sauce. So we're trying to get ourselves, self-induction, we're trying to get ourselves in a state of positive emotion. And I want to break down what some of those might look like. And then we want to just like physically feel that in the body. Compassion. We'll talk about self-compassion too, which is basically like compassion directed directed inward. What does compassion feel like in the body? Gratitude, enjoyment, pleasure, joy, love, inspiration. All of these would be considered positive emotions. I don't love to call them positive emotions. That's kind of like what the literature refers to them to because it kind of, you know, if we have positive emotions, then we have to have negative emotions and you know, I think all emotions are valid. They're all information from your body. Um, we don't want to just like kind of like hang out in the quote unquote negative emotions though long-term. We want to take them for what they are, information, and then we want to do something about that. 
Okay. So this really became a daily practice for me. Some days I would do the, like practice the meditation style for an hour. Some days it would be 15 minutes. Sometimes I would kind of chunk it up and I would do 10 minutes, maybe three times a day. So I would, I do this walking all of the time. Like if somebody is driving by me, they're probably like, what is she on? And I'm like, I'm just on like high vibes, you know? I'm just self-inducing, just self-inducing my uh, my feel goods right now, so I can increase that secretory IgA. Thanks for asking, but I I did this daily. This became a regular practice, and that's what it, that's what you have to understand. This takes a regular practice. It was like a year and a half between stool tests. Like I'm not I'm not you know this isn't a this isn't something you do once and you're like everything's good everything's awesome it this is a regular practice and trust me when I say this like you're gonna want to continue to do this because it makes you feel better you know it feels good feeling good it reminds me of a song by Elvin Bishop is he a one hit wonder maybe maybe um look it up it's a it's a good high vibe song sure feels good feeling good again um. But you're going to want to continue to do it. This, uh, I, I'm going to throw a couple of articles into the show notes just in case, you know, you're interested in this. Results show an improvement in health and self-reported mood. See, it makes you feel good along with an increase in the secretory IgA levels of participants and a reduction in salivary cortisol levels. Boom, right? So it helps to normalize and improve SIGA and cortisol. These results reinforced existing evidence of the beneficial effects of mindfulness and self-compassion on health. Okay. So self-compassion, we, we can throw that into the mix. Self-compassion is something that we have to work at also. This is a practice. This is not something that many of us are like very good at. So, okay. This is what I did. I focused on things that brought me joy so I could access those emotions. I allowed myself to do things that felt good without guilt. This was a little bit of a moving target. That wasn't super easy for me. Um, I, I know that I've told you before here, last year I started working with a coach who gave me the advice to only do things in my business that felt good, like to allow that to be my barometer in my gauge. And throughout that experiment, I really have uncovered this like inner belief of like, who am I to do this? Or who am I to feel good? Which yikes, <laughs> yikes, that's not great, right? If a friend of mine said that to me about them, like, oh, I don't, I don't, who am I to feel good? I would lose my shit. But this is, this is kind of, this is why we, we talk about limiting beliefs is because they are, they're deep down. Like we have to uncover those. Um, so and I, I bring this up because I don't think that this is like a unique thing to me, like struggling with feeling good. I think a lot of us probably grapple with that or like maybe some guilt around like, you know, who am I to do something that feels good, which lies. I mean, why do we buy into that lie? Gosh, where did that lie come from? Terrible, terrible lie. Um, but I, I want to throw this out there to you. Do you feel like you can even, if I'm saying like you got to access feeling good, do you even feel like you could do that? Do you feel like you can access feeling good in your body? What does that feel like to you? Can you get there? Can you do that? Because the truth is that if you have a history of illness, chronic illness, or mystery symptoms, um, 
or a history of disordered eating or a little one-two punch of both. And I, I know a lot of listeners do struggle with those things. Feeling good in your body might be challenging for you. Okay, so let's say you have low secretory IgA, which is very common with autoimmune issues, right? And you're hearing me say that in order to increase secretory IgA, in order to support your gut, in order to support your immune system, you have to tap into feelings of feeling good. And then you're like, but that's a challenge for me, okay? So if we're not there yet, maybe you're like, feeling good is like a far off dream at this point. Okay, okay. Let me give you another idea. Self-compassion, right? Because remember, compassion was one of those emotions that can help improve secretory IgA, especially if you're trying to struggle with a diet or you're caught up in this, like this or that thinking. You're like, do I choose this or do, do I choose that? I know when it comes to healing, there's like, you're bombarded with information. You're like, what do I do? What is my path forward? Which one? Which one? Is it this or is it that? I love what Jessica Flanagan says. She says, self-compassion doesn't take sides. You get support no matter what you choose. And that's a brilliant path. Ugh, does that feel as soothing to your nervous system as it does to mine? You get support no matter what you choose. You get support no matter what you choose. And she refers to self-compassion as sitting with yourself doing a hard thing. Let me give you another uh, way to look at self-compassion. This is straight from Kristen Neff, who is really a leading expert on self-compassion. I'm going to read this blurb to you. Think about what the experience of compassion feels like. Remember, we're trying to tap into like we're trying to tap into like the physical sensation of what this feels like in your physical body. So think about the experiences or the experience of what compassion feels like. First, to have compassion for others, you must notice that they are suffering. Second, compassion involves feeling moved by others' suffering so that your heart responds to their pain. The word compassion literally means to suffer with. When this occurs, you feel warmth, caring, and the desire to help the suffering person in some way. Having compassion also means that you offer understanding and kindness to others when they fail or make mistakes rather than judging them harshly. Finally, when you feel compassion for another, it means that you realize that suffering fail failure and imperfection is part of the shared human experience. So self that's compassion. Self-compassion involves acting the same way toward yourself. It's like, I recognize my own suffering and I'm going to extend care in love and warmth to me. I'm going to extend that to the parts of myself that are suffering. And so if you can do that, if you can tap into the physical sensations of that and then try to hold it in your body as long as you can, or you do it in regular intervals, this is also a way to increase that secretory IgA, to support your overall immune system, and to support your gut. So I know that this was kind of a mixed bag of tricks, but I hope that somewhere throughout this episode, you found some golden nuggets that you can apply to your life, help yourself, or help somebody else. All right. I love you guys.
See you next week. All right. If you are into this episode in all of the evidence-based, science-backed mind-body techniques that I talked about, then boy, do I have an announcement for you. The beta launch of my Manifest Your Health program is officially here. It has arrived. This is where you use your own biology to heal. This is the future of mind-body medicine. It's a five-week program, very experiential, where you'll learn how to access your own internal pharmacy. You can unlock the medicine of your own heart and activate your true healing potential. This is self-healing, but within community. Because it's a beta launch, it's going to be a smaller, more intimate container. I have a limited amount of seats. I do not know if or when I will offer this again. So if this is calling to you, I invite you to apply. You can head to the website, thefunctionalnutritionist.com forward slash manifest dash your dash health. We will link it up in the show notes. And I'm so excited to check out your application. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you got something from today's show, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.